Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Patty G Show. I am your host, Patty G, here with Rick Patel from MidTap BR and Tap 65. We're going to talk beer, which is a common theme here with the Patty G Show while we drink and we enjoy ourselves while we record. And we're also going to talk about business ventures with the opportunity to move from your hometown to somewhere new and exciting. And also, big shout out to our wonderful sponsors, Government Taco and Falaya Real Estate. Stay tuned to the end to hear a little bit more about them. But without further ado, welcome, Rick Patel. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Patty. Glad you're you're on. I'm glad we're able to make this happen. I know we had to book it a few months in advance, but it's all good. It's COVID. <laughs> <laughs> that has been like the theme for everything over the last, what, year, year and a half? It's like, oh no, we don't normally do things. It's fine. It's COVID. We'll make it work. We adjust, right? <laughs> we always adjust. So, Rick, for those that aren't aware, who are you, man? What do you do? So, I'm Rick Patel. I've been uh, in BR for the past 11 years. I came out here from California uh, in 2009, and uh, me and my wife, we started off in the fast food industry and kind of expanded into the bar world uh, over the past couple years. So, you moved from California in 2009 which is supposed to be where everybody's flocking to. Yeah. What was the the reason for wanting to leave California? Good opportunity out here, actually. Um, okay. You know, just being from the West Coast and experiencing the East Coast over time, uh, Louisiana is a perfect opportunity where the costs are low uh, and the opportunity is high. It's a good recipe for success. Okay. So what... You said you moved here for a business opportunity. What were you doing prior to said business opportunity? Turns out I was uh, doing what you're doing now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something that I can't fathom anyone would put themselves through. I was actually a tax accountant. Oh, that's uh, brutal, man. I worked for uh, Big Five uh, back in uh, 2007. Okay. And I went to a smaller firm and I just figured out that public accounting wasn't for me. It's you have to be a different breed to really get through public accounting. I don't think a lot of people enjoy public accounting, but getting through public accounting, you just got to be a different breed. I mean, it's so different from just running a single business day to day. Yeah, the surroundings are uh, not what they are at a bar. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know. During tax season, you might find some people drinking (laughs) in the evenings. After you pull a 12 hour day. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, gosh. Tax seasons pre-COVID were just disaster. I mean, 12, 14-hour days were the norm. Then you throw COVID in the mix, and we got to learn all these new laws, all these new regulations. Makes a 12, 14-hour day become like a never-ending day. You just wake up at the office and go to sleep at the office. It sounds about right. Is it easier for you uh, doing it at home? So we did it at home for a couple of months, and it was different. We, I mean, they gave us the extension of when we had to file, so that was nice. But... It was different being at home. I'm not going to lie. We had to be able to rely on our phones a little bit more. We had to do virtual calls, virtual meetings with clients. So that created a new element. But I'd still rather be in the office. Have those, I mean, even now we're doing like six foot apart, you know, meetings, face masks, et cetera now. But it's, it's much nicer to be back in the office than at home. Although the home does have its perks. The perks are going to go away for you, my friend. Yeah. You got I a know. kid coming. I know. The, perk, the perks go away and the the job inside of the job. 
shows up. Yeah. But anyway, so you're in public accounting as a tax accountant and you decided to get out of that and come to Baton Rouge, Louisiana for what, what opportunity was so more exciting than California? To be honest, uh, any opportunity besides public <laughs> accounting seemed like the right thing to do. Um, so I started off with uh, Subways. Okay. Uh, me and my wife, uh, we opened our first Subway location out in Port Allen uh, in 2009. Okay, so Port Allen. Which Port Allen Subway is you? Uh, we had the one that was in the Walmart off okay. Highway 1. Yep. And then uh, we opened our second location out in uh, Livingston. Okay. Uh, which was completely so multi location. Yeah. On opposite <laughs> sides. Opposite sides. I had to save, I had to part ways with uh, Port Allen like nine months later. I couldn't really? deal with the traffic. I mean, driving on that bridge. Yeah. I mean, going eight, from eight Livingston mile drive, there. 45 minutes. Jesus. I thought That's California brutal. traffic was bad and that bridge put me to reality. <laughs> yeah, you think traffic's bad anywhere until you have to sit on that bridge or I got stuck on the basin for like three and a half hours one day, car in park. Yeah. That's so, brutal. yeah, we call that the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. So, so you've got a subway in Port Allen and you could quickly, how soon was it before you opened the second location? Nine months. Nine months. Yeah. So did you like open the second location and plan to keep two or was it always we're moving no, it was uh, it was it was going into multiple locations. Okay, um, we wanted to expand and grow out here. You know, if I was gonna move out to Louisiana, the whole the game plan was to grow. Uh, so going from Port Allen to Livingston, uh, the intention was to keep both. Uh, if I didn't have to deal with the traffic as much. <laughs> uh, okay, and about four years later, we opened another location out there. Uh, inside of a Walmart, um, also in Livingston, in Denham Springs. Um, we opened out a Tutti Frutti over there. Okay. There's a, fro a self-serve frozen yogurt shop. Yeah, this is a serial entrepreneur. I'm liking it. Let's keep going. All right, so Tutti Frutti. And before the flood, we, uh, we purchased a subway that was on Sherwood and Old Hammond. Okay. Uh, and that Harbor Freight Shopping Center. Yep. Um, and... After that, then we kind of uh, wanted to venture off and do our own thing um, with a little bit more flexibility. Mm -hmm. uh, I've always been a foodie. Me and my wife love food uh, and want to go into something where we can let our creativity flow. Right. Uh, and that was one of those things where MidTap was a stepping stone uh, to kind of get into that realm uh, where we can have our own semi-commercial kitchen uh, and create dishes and recipes okay. uh, that are different. Uh, and, you know, that was the whole game plan. So going from the two subway locations, so in Tutti Frutti to now saying, let's get out of the um, franchisee world and get into the own true do-it-yourself, the rules are what you make them, world of entrepreneurship. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> so so we, were, we, were, we were talking beforehand on this about MidTap, um, and we've got a question from Kima Bush. She wants to know real quick, do y'all offer a senior discount? Uh, currently, we do not, <laughs> but uh, you come on by and we'll put it on the books. I love it. Okay, so you heard that, Kima. Come on by and I'll put it on the books. Um, so you decided to call it MidTap. What was the inspiration for the name? And I understand there was a different location 
the MidTap was supposed to be. Can we go into that story of how you kind of started MidTap? Sure. Um, originally, we were planning on uh, being in MidCity. Um, and yeah, you might think, you know, MidTap, MidCity, uh, it had uh, some resemblance, uh, but MidTap actually has uh, an ad- another meaning. Uh, Mid stands for more interesting drafts. Uh, I like it. I just, I love the, the fact that that meaning behind the name if only could have sealed down that the mid city location, it would have been a double bang. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so where, where are we all looking at? In uh, so we're actually going to be across uh, from the beer garden. Uh, okay. Where that Italian market opened up mm-hmm. right next to Roca. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I know exactly where you're at. Yeah. Originally we we're planning on uh, opening in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, city permitting uh, and, you know, along with the other obstacles, uh, we ended up venturing off to uh, pursue a different location. Okay, so just the the whole run around with the city and the know, city is fine. You know, they they helped out, and you know, we got the place rezoned, um, and we just ended up uh, having some issues, so we had to find a new location. Okay, I ended up working out. Yeah, so y'all are where? So where y'all? Where did y'all end up landing with the location? So we are currently located at the corner of Wesley and Burbank mm-hmm. uh, in the new Roush's uh, shopping center. Yeah. Um, across from the McDonald's or yep. uh, Caddy Corner from uh, the Winn-Dixie. Yep, right next to that uh, that gas station as well, mm-hmm. across the street from there. Okay. Yeah, we're right down the street from uh, Mike Anderson's. Okay, so y'all originally supposed to open in 18... That got pushed back. What year did y'all actually open? In 2019. Okay. April of 2019. So right, right, right before the pandemic hit you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. Funny how the world works, huh? That's right. It's like you're, what, eight months before the world just got flipped upside down. Yeah. And then you had to adjust and pivot and everything. And all the closures. <laughs> Gosh, I know. So y'all, whenever you originally opened, y'all were set out to be just a plain bar or was there a food idea concept within there? The food was always going to be there. Um, we wanted to put in an upscale food option for upscale bar food um, where we kind of did a spinoff on the recipes. Uh, and it really got interesting once COVID hit. You know, we got shut down first time, shut down a second time uh, with the governor's mandate. Uh, and then we got shut down again in July um, of 2020. Okay. And that's when we decided, you know, enough is enough. So we converted to a restaurant license. Um, those three weeks that we were shut down uh, in July, me and my wife were actually uh, sick at home with covid Oh, wow. Uh, so it's a good thing you were closed down. Yeah. You couldn't go to work. So we could have we could have opened up again mm-hmm. and did the drive-through thing. Um, but we focused our energy and efforts into developing a brunch menu. Okay. Uh, so those three weeks that we were closed, uh, all we did was work on brunch. Uh, and we brought in, you know, our signature Bloody Mary meal mugs. Uh, and we threw a lot of Indian influence into our brunch cocktails and our brunch dishes. You know, we we got a desi marinated shrimp. Uh, you know, desi is the terminology that's used for someone who lives abroad that's Indian. DC? Desi. Desi. D-E-S-I. Desi. Yeah. 
Okay. What is so? Is it, it just means someone living abroad? Yeah. So someone who is Indian. Uh, someone who's living abroad. Someone who's living not in India and is living over here. Hey, there's a Desi person over there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's just, it's just the term. It's just a terminology. Okay, that's um, interesting. And then we just, uh, we wanted to do some stuff where, you know, we put our heritage into it. Uh, having some different influence from my wife's side to from my side. Uh, you know, my wife grew up in Mumbai. Uh, and that brought a lot of creativity as far as the food menu is concerned. Uh, you know, her being able to draw from her heritage uh, and her culture and where what her mother taught her, uh, we were able to use all that and put it into our menu. That's incredible. So you had that going from that shift, what was it like when you had like a blank canvas for a menu? I mean, you're going from a subway, which is I'm sure they're like, you gotta be built this way. You got to have these pieces of equipment. You got to have this menu item, et cetera. And the same thing with Tutti Frutti. You can only serve it this way. This is how you do it. What was it like having that shift from being so rigid and structured to now literally having a blank canvas to work with? At first, it was, uh, it was interesting because <laughs> you're, you're used to all this structure. Right. You're, you're used to someone saying you have to do this. You have do to have this, this menu way, item. Do it right, that way. Right. Uh, you can't do this. You can't do that. Go ahead, we'll let you slide with this. <laughs> and, you know, the change occurs uh, when you actually sit down and you're working, you're building a menu. Can we do this? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure that, like, I can, I can see this. You and your wife are, like, sitting down eating dinner, like, wait, what if we throw this on the menu? Wait, wait, is that okay? <laughs> yes, it is okay. 100%. <laughs> it was just, uh, it was surreal for a little bit. Just, just not having that structure and having the freedom to do whatever we wanted. That's incredible. I mean, I know as an entrepreneur, having that ability to go from, for some, they start out in their typical, I mean, for some, you're like a, a typical entrepreneur. You start out working for someone and you decide later on in life, you want to go out for business for yourself. Now where the spin comes in, you go out and you work for someone as a franchisee, but you still have that ownership mentality. And then you flip the script and say, I want to be a pure owner at this point. That can, you know, especially as an accountant's mind, rigid, structured rules, franchisee, rigid, structured rules, entrepreneur, all by yourself. It's the world's your oyster, you know? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a change. You know, it's going everything away from what we all started with, you mm -hmm. know, with that structure and having that flexibility and is this going to work? Yeah. Is this something that uh, should work or shouldn't work? Or is are they, how's the how, how are the patrons going to take to this? Right, because you're going from something that is a proven time and time again concept to something that's entirely created from your own mind. Mm -hmm. You know, and also having a location swap in the midst of it. You know, when you're, I'm sure, was originally envisioning it. Oh, Midtap, we've got a great name. But we've also got a location that matches that name. And then now you've switched. Did y'all ever contemplate changing the name? We did. Um, but, you know, it wasn't just a name based on a location. Right. It, was, it, had a, it had a meaning behind it. And I felt like I wanted to keep it. So. Yeah. 
I mean, it's, it suited you well. Still, still there through COVID. Yeah. You know, we, we heard the, the many stories of people and bars especially being closed down. And so why was it not initially set up as a restaurant? We wanted to do a bar. Okay. Uh, you know, simply just we wanted to do a cool bar concept where people can go and socialize and have a good time where it's not your normal hole in the wall spot where you can go in, grab a brew and go home. You can actually go there and socialize and have a gathering of friends, you know, host a private event, uh, engagement party, baby shower. Baby yeah. shower. Yeah. You've had a baby shower we've had, in Midtown. We've had a few baby showers. and <laughs> A uh, few baby showers? Yeah. <laughs> is is Midtown BR the hotspot for baby showers? Uh, you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I've never <laughs> been to a baby shower. <laughs> you guys why, You guys have one coming up. I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't, I'll have to tell my wife, hey, if you're listening to it, honey, you know, check out Midtown <laughs> for, for the baby shower location. <laughs> we threw our first private event and it was an engagement party. Okay. Uh, and they're loyal patrons now. Uh, it was a great experience. Yeah, and we, we have that flexibility, you know, to do what the customer wants uh, and adjust because that structure is not there. Right. Uh, that freedom is definitely a great thing uh, to be able to adjust to our uh, patrons uh, and our clientele. So whenever we do book private parties, that whole aspect of we only do this, this, and that, or th these are the packages you can choose from, that's pretty much non-existent at MidTap. Really? You come over, you come, you, you give us a call, you shoot us an email, and you say you wanted to throw a party. Uh, we have some guidelines, but besides that, uh, the floor is yours on how you want to handle it. You know, every business has got their financials set. You know, it's beneficial for us to make X amount to host a private party and close the location down. Right. Um, but besides that, you know, there's so much flexibility on the way we do it. Yeah, and I think that is the beauty of really being able to craft your business without having those external guidelines, those external factors. Like, you can sit there and like you said, You've got what forty-eight taps at mid tap. Mm -hmm. You can decide what forty-eight you're going to have, you know, and you can alternate them. You can rotate them so long as it's you know makes sense price-wise. But you don't have to have a set forty-eight by someone else saying you got to have these three, these four, these five. Yeah. You've got that freedom. Keep on changing whenever we wanted. Uh, a lot of R and D involved. You know, <laughs> how many reps show up to Midtap and say, "Hey, we've got these new beers. You got to try." Well, we got a, over a dozen reps that we deal with. Oh gosh, the how burp. do you manage that? Oh. A lot of early drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I think owning a bar is one of the very few businesses that's acceptable to start drinking <laughs> as soon as you get to work. Cracking a beer through the draft <laughs> at eight at eleven o'clock is was unheard of. But, but I understand it's not drinking on the job. It's drinking for R&D. That's right. <laughs> just, just so we can tell the customer how it is, what it is, what the flavor profile is. Um, oh. You know, in, in the beginning when we we're setting up our wall, uh, you know, that was the beauty of it. Just to know what your product is, how you can explain it to a customer. If you don't 
taste it yourself. If you don't partake in it, how are you going to give your patrons the truth? Uh, yeah. And, you know, I started off being a Coors Light guy. Really? I drank Coors Light my whole life. Uh, okay. And I opened this place. And now my palate's expanded to pretty much stout, sours, you know, Pilsners, IPAs, everything. My favorite's an IPA now. Really? So you went from a Coors Light to an IPA. Yeah. That's a that's a drastic shift. You know, uh, Parish Brewing, uh, <laughs> Jacob Talley, thank you. <laughs> Ghost in the Machine was uh, the first that's IPA I ever good, tried. such a good beer. <laughs> yeah. My gosh, Ghost in the Machine is such a good beer. When they first came out with it, it was so hoppy. And they've changed their recipe a, a gazillion times. But it's amazing. Every time we've tried it uh, and through that whole process, it's just... It's been great. Yeah, that I, I can only imagine how terrible of a job it is to sit and taste beer all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and within Louisiana, we've kind of got, and Baton Rouge specifically, we've got a lot of microbreweries and other breweries starting to open up. Like people are starting to get more experimental with beer drinking. I mean, it's you can go to, like you said, you've got forty-eight different taps, and how many of how many of your forty-eight taps are local? Probably half. Half. Which is huge. Yeah. I mean, when you came in here in 09, were you think, did you think coming from California, you're going to have all this local different products within the beer? Well, you're a Coors Light guy. So you weren't, it went on the top of mind. I was, I was actually hoping so. Okay. Just because the microbrewery scene out on the West Coast is huge. Oh, um, gosh, yeah. And then the Louisiana started getting into it. Uh, and I think we still got maybe another three, four years before uh, we get to that point where we got an immense amount. You know, you look at Colorado, you look at uh, Portland, you look at some of these other cities, they got an immense uh, amount of microbreweries and the selection is just, uh, it's huge. Uh, And to have that in Louisiana and to be a bar owner in these times uh, with the growing microbrewery scene is great. You know, oh Tin gosh, Roof yeah. gave us a lot of love when we first opened. Uh, and Jacob Talley was there, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's also the good thing about the local breweries, the microbreweries, is how much love they want to show local bar owners. I mean, they have always been designing their craft, getting a unique beer, a unique product out to the public. And now they want to say, hey, you're a local company coming in with a, with a new bar. Sell my beer. You know, like we'll we'll supply whatever you need. We'll work with you. Here's our distributor, I'm sure. But being able to say we're a local we're a local Baton Rouge bar that has half of our taps with local beers, I'm sure is something that like makes you feel good. Absolutely. You know, we're all about the local community. Um, anything we do, we think about the community first and we try to involve them. Uh, you know, we did a fundraiser when COVID started uh, with Our Lady of the Lake. Um, we raised over $7,000. Um, oh wow congrats and we thank you we planned it uh from first day we thought about it to when it was executed was 10 days really (laughs) wait to do a whole fundraiser took you 10 days i mean we spent uh quite a bit of time uh i mean day in and day at that time we were closed Uh, we were doing drive-through uh, you know, drive up and grab your uh, beer or food and to take it to go. So we had a lot of time, but still in the midst of being closed down, catching our stride 
and wrapping your head around and being a part of the community. Um, it, it was it was challenging, but we did it. You know, at the end of the day, our goal was to get ahead of COVID uh, and to help out because at that time there was a ventilator shortage. We wanted to raise funds to help the community to so the people that get checked into a hospital, they don't end up passing away. Right. Uh, it was rough, you know, when we first had our surges. Um, so, you know, shout out to everybody at Our Lady of the Lake. You know, they worked with us and we put on a great fundraiser. Uh, and all everyone that came out and supported, uh, you know, it was an amazing um it was an amazing outcome because we pretty much we were pre-sold an hour before the fundraiser started. Really? <laughs> that <laughs> that is just music to my ears. Hearing a story about how Baton Rouge stepped up and the community as a whole came together to do something for the greater good. I mean, that's just absolutely incredible. And you know, the funds, um, we didn't take partake in any of the funds. Half of the funds went to Our Lady of the Lake. The other half of the funds went to our staff. You know, they were unemployed pretty much. Uh, they went from having full-time jobs to having no money, no income coming in. Right. That's um, scary times. I mean, that's absolutely scary when your bread and butter is just cut off mm -hmm. and you have no way to earn a living, support your family. I mean, I know it's, especially with kids. I mean, I've got one on the way and it's kind of get as real as ever, you know? I had one, I had two at that time. I still have two. <laughs> <laughs> like I say, I've got four now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, so as, as an entrepreneur during those times, I mean, what was running through your head? It was stressful, man. Uh, to be honest, it was, it was challenging times uh, to have the thought of starting a brand new business, unstructured, uh, going from one thing to completely something different, uh, investing all that money and having COVID come around, knocking on your door, telling you, hey, here comes uncertainty. What are you going right. to do? And you're like, like, just like you said, you're an unknown brand. You're an unknown restaurant, unknown place. I mean, what were you doing to kind of outside of, you know, coming up with a brunch menu? What were you doing to kind of keep yourself motivated, keep yourself moving forward with a new brand during such hard times? You know, it's interesting that you said that. Um, to be honest, the, the whole time, you know, our focus was to adapt and change to the times. Um, and that's what carried us past, and that's what helped us grow, uh, even in COVID. Uh, prior to COVID, that was our mentality. But during COVID, having that mentality, having the options and the flexibility to do what we needed. Uh, and sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. Um, you know, we've tried plenty of things that didn't work uh, during the, you know, that first five months during COVID. Uh, but we just kept on trying stuff. Uh, we were kept on being, we kept on being positive. Um, and our staff was amazing. Our staff is amazing. You know, they, were on board with what we were doing. Um, we couldn't do it without them. Uh, my manager started two months prior to COVID. 
And wow. is he still with you? Are they she, still with she's you? still with me. Wow. Uh, she started two months prior to COVID and she saw what the place was going to be. And COVID struck. She carried through and she is an amazing manager and she does everything and anything uh, that she could to help and support the brand. You know, she, her name's Sunny Broom. She, um, she put together her first event uh, and, you know, it's music to my ears that someone who started off uh, not wanting to do anything with management picked up the role and ran with it. Uh, we're doing our first uh, pet adoption uh, mid-tap. Uh, it's coming up on August 22nd. Okay. Uh, pint for pup. <laughs> pint for pup. So it was <laughs> <laughs> I love the name. Very catchy. So pint for you get a, a pint for every pup you adopt. Um, that's right. How, how, so that's legit yeah. how it works. Yeah. You adopt a pup, you get a free pint. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Boombox Pops, uh, they are they've teamed up with us and they're uh, actually doing doggy pops for the event. Boom, what is Boombox Pops? Uh, the Boombox uh, Popsicle Shop that's on Highland. I don't know about them. Oh, they're amazing. I need to know about them. Custom ice cream. Okay. I mean, it's just... They're local? Nick, uh, yeah, Nick's the owner. Uh, they're local. He's based out of uh, Lake Charles. Uh, and him and his wife recently moved over here. Okay. Uh, amazing couple. Sounds uh, like I need to get them on the show. You should. Okay. Uh, we got a future guest already. I'm yeah. liking this. Yeah. So we got them. We got, uh, you know, the pet adoption agency. Mm -hmm. And then just everyone who works at MidTap is kind of getting together uh, to put this thing together. We got a, we got live music coming up pretty soon. Oh, so inside MidTap, are y'all going to expand uh, out? We got to take uh, up some of the parking lot space. Take up some of the parking lot space. I love it. And we got a pretty big tent coming up that we're going to be uh, posting in front of our uh, patio. Excellent. So next Thursday, March night, uh, August nineteenth. Okay, we're gonna start uh, live music. Uh, Thursdays and Fridays. Thursdays and Fridays, live music every every every, every, every week. week. Excellent. Seven thirty. I love that. I love to hear the growth of it, and with the the tent, now will allow more seating. I'm sure. Yeah. Especially in August. Yeah. I'm sure you've learned. <laughs> August is brutal here in Louisiana. September's right around the corner. I know. It's so close. So <laughs> close to vest weather. I'm super excited for it. Yeah. Um, but just, you know, adjusting and adapting to kind of go back to what you were talking about uh, and changing with the times helped us grow and become who we are. Um, and our clientele, our patrons are very loyal to us. Uh, they've showed us so much love. Um, and you know, two, two best of two, two, five awards came around, uh, and we were nominated in five categories, uh, and we we're run up runner up in three categories. Excellent. Which categories were they? Best bar, okay. best craft cocktail menu and best happy hour. Nice. And runner up, like best of two, two, five is, you know, supposed to be the, the, the best of the best within the local area. So if people are talking, is exciting. Exactly. That's also the best one, a great part about Baton Rouge is the local atmosphere talking up other businesses. We love to do that word of mouth spread. We love to do that self-support. Go check out this place. I was just there. It was incredible. And it can help you and it can hurt you in both different ways. But if you've got the unique, uniquely your own atmosphere, like what you have at MidTap, I mean, it's a guaranteed recipe for success there. Our whole game plan is the ultimate experience. 
right. uh, from the tap wall, which is the beer selection, to our food uh, that you know we put a lot of work into, uh, and our cocktail menu. Um, all of it ties into something that's unique and different. Uh, right. You know, with Indian influence cocktails, all of our signature cocktails are Indian influence. Really, that's awesome. We got a mango chutney, old fashioned. Ooh, that sounds delicious. <laughs> um, and just even even our brunch ones, you know, we got a we got cardamom and chai that's influenced uh, in our cocktails. And we got a chai latte that we serve right now. A chai latte. Okay, yeah. okay, I'm digging it, Rick. With a little booze, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of booze. I'm loving it. So, what? Is it like to go from one location to now thinking about the idea of opening a second location this fall? Well, where was that decision made? Because it's a different concept a little bit. Not yeah. an entirely the same concept, right? Yeah, it's not the same. Um, we're bringing the self-pour concept uh, over again. Uh, Wait, but so self-pour meaning people can, they pay pour for your glass. Own beer. Oh. So with MidTap, you know, you, you get a wristband when you uh, first check in. Right. You give us your ID, you give us your card, and you get a wristband. With that wristband, you're able to pour drink, pour beer off the wall, order cocktails, order food, you know, specialty shots. It's, it's all based on the wristband. Yeah. It's like okay. your magic band when you go to Disney. <laughs> I've been to Disney once, and I was like four. So I don't remember the magic band. Disneyland for adults in your hometown. Oh, that should be your slogan. <laughs> That's your marketing campaign right there. Hire Flashbang to film some episodes and then just straight up Disneyland in your hometown. You're hired. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you get this magic wristband, this magic tap 65 wristband, magic mid tap. And you're able to just go around and just like, do you scan it? What's, you, what's the so procedure going to be? We got a screen. Okay. And on the bottom right corner of the screen, you just scan your wristband and you're, it'll unlock the tap. You pull the handle. You can pour as little or as much as you want. You push the handle back. It registers how much you pour. There's flow meters behind every single tap. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so there, and it rounds it to the nearest tenth of an ounce. So you don't ever pay for head. You only pay for the actual liquid that comes out. Uh, if there's, you know, a malfunction or a user error where you don't open the tap all the way, and you slow ease, ease into it, you might get a little extra head, but rest assured, you're not paying for the head. You're only paying for the liquid. So that's awesome. So there, there, there's no half a cup of foam, right? Uh, half a cup of beer. Damn, I got a pint and it's not worth it. No, when that, when that head dies down, that's all you're paying for. Okay, so it's measured in a liquid volume. Yeah, that's right. So, this may be a dumb question. Do you have anybody that mixes? Absolutely. Okay, what's, Absolutely. what's been the best mix? So our, our favorite mix uh, amongst our patrons, uh, we call it a Perry Break. Perry Break, okay. So we use uh, Parrish's Cane Break uh -huh. and uh, Ace Pineapple Cider. Ace Pineapple Cider. Okay. I'm not familiar with Ace Pineapple. So Cane Break, I love that beer. Excellent beer. It's fantastic. So, so and, you can, and, you, and you adjust the sweetness based on your taste buds. Okay. So if you like something more sweet, do 60-40, 60% Cane Break, 40% uh, Pineapple Cider or Perry Cider. Yeah. The Perry Cider is a pear cider. Okay. Um, you know, whatever you're feeling. If you want something a little bit less sweet, do 70-30. 
you're at your own, uh, you know, you're, you're uh, in your own else. So do you have like on the wall, like recommended mixes? Yeah. So we set those taps right next to each other and it says, mix me. (laughs) Wait, it says mix me? (laughs) Absolutely. Or you can make a Barney, which is uh, a beta, a a beta Andy Gator. I have so much to learn. And purple haze. A beta Andy Gator and purple. Wait, I've actually, oh no, okay. I have heard of that one. Yeah. So a beta Andy Gator and purple haze Mm -hmm. mixed together. Okay. That's a Barney? Mm Mm-hmm. You can take, uh, we have a Prosecco on tap. And you of can take. Of course, you do. You can, <laughs> all, all, all the baby. Now I understand why the baby showers go there. You got prosecco uh, on tap. That's right. You got a lot of bachelorette parties too. Mm, we've had a couple. Okay. Uh, well, you got engagement. Okay, yeah. And I, I see why the prosecco's on tap. It makes sense. Okay. Our sours are the best part, though. Really? You know, it's, uh, growing up, I would have never pictured myself drinking a sour beer. Oh, you're a Coors Light man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, even a stout was a far fetched, far fetched story. Uh, we tried. Uh, I tried Grimm's uh, Galaxy Pop for the first time mm-hmm. out of a bottle. One of the reps brought it, and you know, sitting in my fridge for a good month before I got the courage to try it. I poured a little bit. I drank it. I'm like, wow, this is sour. You know, the back of my jaw was tingling. Right. Uh, but the crazy part that made me want to go back and drink it again, 20 minutes later, that taste was still in the back of my jaw. Really? Yeah. And see, as, as, as a bar owner with MidTap, you're able to uncover all these different hidden gems. Mm-hmm. I mean, in Tap 65, you're going to have 65 items on tap, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of the, the theme with the number. How are you going to find 65 beers to put on there? Or is it going to be To be, be honest, if I had a, 80, it would still be less. Really? Because to feed the market uh, and to cater to everyone, everyone's taste buds, like you might like cane break. And if I choose not to have cane break one day and switch it out with another wheat beer, now that client's going to be disappointed. Right. But cane break's one of those things. You might grab a pint. You might grab a pint of Juicifer. Uh, and now you want to try something different. Right. So you got other options. Uh, so, you know, having those options, having the variety uh, is where the where it comes into play. Well, especially if you have someone there long enough to get to the fourth, fifth beer, you're open to trying a lot more options than just what you came in there starting to drink. Four beers is very easily attainable. <laughs> <laughs> Four different beers. Now that's a fun game. So here's the beauty of it. You don't have to get, you know, if you got four pints worth of beer, you're not drinking uh, a pint of each you don't have to pour but a few ounces hey, you can make like your own flight mm-hmm. wow okay so you can try literally every single beer on the wall and still get two four pints that's excellent so where where is tap 65 going to be located do we have a night do we have a location yet we do we're actually going to be in the old white star market in the old White Star. Okay, so, so you finally got that that mid-city location uh, back. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to be sharing a space with Bistro Byron's. Yep. Um, and we got a demising wall. It's going to be completely separate. So so it won't be like the old White Star no. open concept style? It's going to be two completely separate businesses. Okay. Uh, Bistro's got their classic look. And then we got our uh, new... Uh, new flair. Yeah. I love it. Okay, so you're like me in White Star Market. What... What's going to be the theme of Tap 65? 
which what are you asking food alcohol like like what's what's what was the idea to make tap 65 it's different than mid taps what was kind of the thought process when going into building this so creating uh that whole business plan yeah like what's uh, the what's the vision board of tap 65 to, to cater to individuals like you and i okay. uh young professionals uh families you know um you know our target clientele is a little bit older than uh, Midtap. Uh, I mean, yeah, you're right on LSU, the outskirts of LSU's campus. Yeah, with uh, Midtap. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's easy to cater to that clientele. But even at Midtap, our clientele ranges from 21 to 65. Really? Uh, it just depends on the time of the day you come and the day of the week you come. Right, and if the bachelor's playing during trivia. <laughs> <laughs> I think Tad would appreciate that. <laughs> appreciate the reference to all his hard work for trivia going through the mm-hmm. Bachelor. Okay, so you're, you're you're appealing to that that more professional crowd, which Mid City gives to. Yeah. Like Mid City is the the mid twenties, mid thirty range young professionals that are all looking for something unique. They're looking for that variety, right? I mean, I'm sure doing your research is like, okay, what are they looking for? Well, if you look at the restaurants going down Government Street they've all got variety. You know, it's not one sole thing. So are y'all going to have food there as well? Absolutely. So our food menu is going to be based on small plates. Okay. We're going to have a cheese and charcuterie board. Okay. Who exciting. Because we're going to have a huge wine selection uh, apart from the beer. Uh, we're going to have close to 65 different types of wine options. Wait. <laughs> Hold up. So you're going to have 65 different types of beer and 65 different types of wine. And bourbon. And 65 types of bourbon? That's right. Anything else you want to throw 65 types of in? Uh, <laughs> there is one more thing, but it's a surprise. Ooh, I like Once it. Once we open up. I like then, the then tease. You, then, the, then you're going to get to see. The long play tease. We'll have to come out there and maybe do like a little short show or something. That'd be fun. Sounds like a plan, a little pre-open show. Heck, oh yeah. You know I'm in. When we get, when we get to drink, I'm in. <laughs> you get to taste all the clock cocktails. Ooh. Okay, what time do I get <laughs> Hopefully so, we don't have to book uh, two months out in advance. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll, we'll get that set up. So 65, so now you're, okay, wow. So you've got 65 beers, 65 wines, 65 bourbons. You're tapping into a whole lot of different markets because not every craft beer drinker is also going to drink some, you know, unique, obscure bourbon. And not every wine drinker is going to even drink any beer at all. Yeah. So you're hitting like all the, wow. So, okay. I'm, my mind's blown right now. You, your wife, and your <laughs> sister-in-law can all come and have a good time. Everyone can come and have a good time. <laughs> my gosh. Okay. But is it, so is it like going to be a true bar scene or is it going to be still that restaurant permit? You don't have to have an ID to come in. So we're going to have uh, <laughs> a restaurant license uh, with uh, a bar scene. So it's going to be upscale. Uh, it's not going to be like mid-tap. Uh, it's going to be a little bit more toned down as far as the atmosphere goes. The seating is going to be a little bit more comfortable. Um, and you know, the cocktail menu is going to be a little different. Uh, everything that we currently do at Midtap uh, is going to stay at Midtap, and we're creating something brand new at Tap 65. So it's going to be a whole new concept environment. It's not going to be like a second of yeah. Midtap. No. Gotcha. Sister company, same owners, different vision. Hey, and that's, people love that here in Baton Rouge. You know, it's great to have multiple of the same locations 
several companies and restaurants and bars are very successful with that. But having that single ownership, but multiple different concepts is also very successful. I mean, look at Citigroup, for example. Yeah. You know, we do a lot of stuff with them and they have so much variety. So it's kind of like mid tap and tap 65 is starting on that pattern of getting multiple locations with different concepts. I mean, you're going to attract clientele from far and wide to come and check them out. And with Government Street, oh my gosh, Government Street is booming right now. It's great. I, mean, yeah, it's I love what they've done with, the, done with the street and, uh, you know, creating that walkable space. That rideable space too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got the bike lanes open, so you can have everybody. I think there will come a point in time when someone will put together like a bar crawl or a brewery crawl just down Government Street alone. I mean, yeah. that mid-city group's going to happen. It's coming. It's coming? Ooh, okay. It should come soon. <laughs> <laughs> when TAP 65 opens, right, then you'll be, an, you'll be another stopping point on the destination. That sounds about right. I love it, dude. So you've, you've got a diverse background coming from California into Baton Rouge. What are the differences that you've kind of seen as being both an owner-operator of a franchisee and being a straight-up owner in your own entrepreneurial venture? What are the differences between California and Baton Rouge? It's light and day. Um, really? Absolutely. Uh, California is much more competitive. Uh, it's it's much more cutthroat. Uh, there's so many different variables, uh, so many different options. Um, and to have, coming from a background where you deal with that on a constant basis, coming out to Louisiana, uh, and having a little bit less uh, hoo-ha as far as the business aspect goes, the less competition uh, is much more, uh, I guess, appreciated in my eyes. Uh, it, you get the flexibility to kind of do stuff at a slower pace. Um, it's a little bit more challenging in California. Yeah, I'm sure like overnight someone has an idea the next day the building's there. Yeah, <laughs> it, it moves pretty quickly. Uh, and just, you know, starting up, if I wanted to start up in California or I wanted to start up over here, uh, the startup cost is a lot lower and the competition's a lot lower. Yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong, the competition here is fierce too. Uh, you know, oh, every, yeah. everyone's doing what they need to, and they're doing it on, uh, you know, good fronts. Uh, no knock on the competition. You know, they're all doing very good. Um, it's just the pace is a little different. Uh, coming from a fast-paced environment uh, and having a slower-paced environment to be able to grow in is a luxury. Absolutely. When we've got the Baton Rouge culture of support local. So you've got people who are open to new places coming around, they're starting to get the idea of, let me expand my palate and try something new every once in a while. You know, they've got restaurants pushing for different menu items, changing their menu up frequently, kind of keeping people on their toes so they don't fall into the habit of getting the same thing at the same restaurant at the same time of day, every single day. They're trying to keep everything spiced up, which I think COVID kind of plays a part in that. Everybody was so sick and tired of staying up and staying in their house that they're excited to get out and try something new. So now restaurants and bars are playing on that and say, well, let's just keep pushing this envelope of trying new things, trying new beers, trying new food items, trying something that we can be creative with. 
you know, I think Baton Rouge is heading that way and any new restaurant or bar that pops up, we're eager to go and test it out. We need that. We need more of that. hundred percent. I, that's what I miss about California, <laughs> having the different options. Yeah. Uh, I think we're getting there. Yeah. I think we're slowly getting to where we've got multiple different options and we're seeing a lot of new places pop up, especially in 21. I've seen a lot of new places start and open, which is exciting. You know, New Orleans is a, is a monster of its own. Oh my gosh. Uh, I can't even, can't even get into New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if we kind of inherited some of that culture mm-hmm. and brought it to BR, you know, and all the different, uh, I guess, transplants that have come to Baton Rouge, you know, they start expanding, uh, you know, the city can grow into something very special. hundred percent. And so we kind of starting to get towards the end of the show. We do have a set list of questions for very hard hitting, very deep, really pull on your, your brain strings questions that we like to ask every guest. And the first one is what is something you did as a kid you wish you could still do today? Play cops and robbers. <laughs> Such a fun game. I mean, you get out, you get out of school, you come home. And you play, you know, until the streetlights come on. Oh, 100% cops and robbers, baseball with a stick and like a, a wiffle ball or something. Yeah. Oh, all those fun games as kids growing up. No yeah. bills. No bills. <laughs> Take a moment of silence for bills. <laughs> a sad reality of being an adult. Okay, so playing cops and robbers. Um, what is... Three or what are three lessons you've learned along the way? You know, you've had a successful career as a tax accountant, which obviously led you to a business venture here in Baton Rouge to open not one, but two and three locations of a Subways and then to go to a different franchisee model and now having two locations of your very, very own business. What are three lessons you've kind of learned on this journey so far? That's tough. Um, You know, one to never give up. Uh, just Amen. keep on pushing. Uh, and you know, the, the kind of ties into the second thing, you know, the, the persistence, uh, you know, when one door closes, another door is going to open. Um, and just be true to yourself. If yes. you stay close to your values, <clears throat> uh, you're, you're going to succeed. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, we all end up changing in our times. Uh, changing along the way, but if you stay true to your values, uh, you'll be able to accomplish what you need to. A hundred percent. I mean, you hit all three of those, I think are brilliant. You know, especially in Baton Rouge, you got to be persistent because people are, they tend to be so busy and they tend to not necessarily forget about you, but just get a fire hose of information at them. And you got to make sure you're still within that stream. You got to be in front of their eyes if you want to get something done. And being able to pursue past the no onto the next no to the next no, because you don't know if that next no is actually going to be a yes, you know, and then the success in that comes with just being authentically yourself, mm-hmm. being who you are every step of the way is going to slowly turn all those no's into yeses. And then once those yeses happen, then you've got to be able to put in that work and grind to push everything out in due time. So, dude, you hit. I love all three of those, man. Um, we've, we've talked on this a lot during the episode. And we've gone back and forth about it. But what is what is something you love about Baton Rouge? Hospitality. Hands down. Uh, that's what made me want to move to Louisiana. Uh, you know, 
being able to talk to anybody, uh, having fluent conversations with a complete stranger, you know, being in, me being able to do that was pretty much one of the strongest reasons we moved over here. You know, apart from the opportunities and all that, you know, that's all secondary. Uh, the people over here are amazing. Uh, and to be in a community where they're so open uh, to communicate and talk, um, you know, it's, it's a breath of fresh air. Yeah. And communities that genuinely pull together in time of need is also truly incredible. We've gone through a lot of natural disasters and everyone always comes through. Yeah. When they pull through and they do what they need to get to the next level. That's right. And that's, that's Baton Rouge. Yeah. So for the final question, what can I do to help you, man? Absolutely nothing. I want you what? to absolutely nothing. What? That's you, the first time I've gotten someone tell me nothing. <laughs> okay. Um, why? Why? Yeah, why do nothing? I'm here. We're talking. You reached out. You opened your doors for me. And you invited me to come sit here and be on your show. I think that's enough. I mean, anything else? I mean, come on, man. It's got to be something. Why don't you come out there? Okay. Let's go grab a beer. I can do that. And host an event over there for your baby shower. (laughs) (laughs) i'll choose to that but i think i'm gonna put that in my wife's core (laughs) well rick man thank you so much for coming on the show i appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day from juggling everything you've got going on to take some time for the little old patty g show man i really appreciate it absolutely thank you for having me uh and everyone that watches the show appreciate uh yeah i appreciate it yeah be sure to go check out both mid tap br on Facebook and all the other social platforms. I think you're all on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, if I'm not mistaken. And then Tap65, y'all are on Facebook and Instagram, not Twitter as of yet. Not yet. Okay, I was about to say, I did a search for y'all this afternoon, so, but still, go give them some love. Stay tuned for when Tap65 does open. Maybe Rick and I'll talk after the show and see if we can kind of plan something up before they open, do a little pre-show special or something like that but thank y'all everyone for tuning in whether you're listening to us whether you're watching us whatever platform you are consuming the patty g show i really appreciate it i know the guests do as well you make up whether you're from the city of baton rouge or not you make up the community that really supports these businesses and makes everyone so successful in their doings and what makes the show so successful in our doings is our lovely two sponsors Falai real estate which is a local built app here to help you sell your home, not only save on closing costs and everything else, but really get you and your family the place that you want to be to live out your dream. And also Government Taco. We've been talking about Government Street throughout this episode. They've got a taco shop right there, corner of Government and Jefferson. You've got Government Taco with Jay Cody, founder and owner of that shop. They've got a new taco every month and also happy hour every Thursday, all day. Go over there and tell them Patty G sent you. And with that, everyone, this is a wrap. Of the Patty G Show, I'm your host, Patty G, here with Rick Patel of Mid Tap and Tap 65. Y'all have a good one, and thanks for tuning in.